We're going to use the bulletin text quite a bit today, so keep that bulletin handy so we don't have to dance through the Bible so much between our two readings, Deuteronomy 6 and James 1. But I do want you to reach for your pew Bible to start and find your way to page 513, or if you got your own Bible, Psalm 119, starting at verse 41. And this is uh, the section called Vav, or Wow, depending on what accent you would like to speak when you speak Hebrew, <laughs> uh, modern or, or more ancient. Um, I'd stick with the Vav, usually Vav. So, uh, you know, each of Psalm 119's uh, stanzas is connected to a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, there are more than 20 of these then, stanzas that are there. They're each eight verses long. And the reason I want to talk about it right now is because, first, it does connect to the James text that we're going to look at. Um, but then also, this is sort of my set-apart step-up that I'm doing uh, this year, which isn't adding more to my, my reading load. God be praised. I, I get to read the Bible so much. Um, that I, I, I never stop. You know, Sunday morning, I read it less because I come to church instead, right? Um, but my job is is this way, so it's, it's really wonderful. So I'm not going to try to add a new goal. I've got plenty of goals. Um, but what I do want to do is take one that I've used for a while, one habit I've had in my study, I'm going to take it out and put in a different one. But they're kind of the same, and, and that's because it's all part of this game that's at the back of the Sons and Solomon packet. If you look at it, there's a game about Psalm 119. And it's a way to take this psalm that is basically unreadable if you're an American. I mean, you're coming through the Bible, right? You got past Leviticus and 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 uh, you know, all the tough stuff, and you're in the Psalms, and it's not so bad, and you get to 119, it's one chapter. And you're like, this is forever. I can't read a chapter a day. You know, It's just this brutal thing. What is this for? What could they use it for? Well, there's a lot there to answer that. But one way to begin finding that is just to take eight verses of Psalm 119 every day and put it on repeat. Just go, right? So first day is alpha, second day is beta, third day is gimel. I spoke kind of Greek and Hebrew together though, but you know, one, two, three, you just go in order and you, you start playing the Psalm as a record in your month is what happens. Although it's not quite a month, so it starts shifting a little bit. But so I did that for a couple of years after I, we put this booklet together and it was super valuable. And what happened though, was I discovered that there were certain stanzas that I was really mad at myself for kind of checking out on while I read them. Like they were my favorite stanzas and like I didn't get to pay attention for like three months. And I was like, that's frustrating. You know, I just didn't listen that day and oops, it's over already. I missed ma'am. I missed ma'am. Oh, I missed ma'am again. So finally I'm like, forget this. I'm doing ma'am every day. And so I stopped doing a different eight verses every day. I just stuck with mem. And I've been doing that for, I don't know how long, a long time until this morning I got a hankering because of the James text that we're going to talk about to remember that I'm going to walk at liberty the rest of my life. And that's in fact in Psalm 119, Vav. And I thought, well, maybe Jonathan, it's time. You can see what I've been telling myself I am free to believe in Mame on your own. Go look it up. But it's time to maybe have a different path for my day from Psalm 119 that will drive me, inform me, and make me the person that I am, make me the disciple that I am. And so here's what God gave me. Because again, I went to look for uh, verse 45, where it says, I will walk at liberty. I remembered from my former study that that was there. 
And I knew that that would make it easier to talk about James today when we do. And so I thought, oh goodness, where is that? Let me find it. And then I thought, well, what's, what's in the middle? What's in the middle of? Maybe I should hear from God new words. And again, here's what he said to me. And I'm going to repeat this every morning, God willing. There'll be days I miss it, um, kind of in perpetuity, going on and on until I decide to get into 119 a different way, because it's just so worth it to have this be part of your life every day. Yeah. Um, so here it is, you know, it doesn't take long to read these eight verses. Let your mercies come also to me, O Jesus Christ. So I get to say that every morning now. Let your mercies come also to me, O Jesus Christ. And I won't defend right now why I say Jesus Christ for the Lord, but Jesus is Lord, and it, it certainly makes the prayer intimate when you start speaking Jesus' name. Let your mercies come also to me, O Jesus Christ, your salvation according to your word, so shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. I was just telling Meredith yesterday on our, our morning YouTube show, Stop the White Noise, which you're always free to watch, uh, we were talking about the idea that if you read enough scripture and you don't you know, fill your head with a bunch of other stories at the same time, what happens is the scripture just starts coming out of your mouth. It's just, it's just what you say. And then the fact is that someone speaks to you and you, you have an answer for them. Like someone says something rude to you and you actually know something in the Bible and that's what comes out of your mouth. And look, that's what it promises here. You know, Jesus, I'm praying for it, really. Send me your word so that I can know what to say in every scenario. That's the promise of the Bible and reading the Bible. It really is. And then it asks, you know, don't let me forget what I know. Take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your uh, New King James ordinances. Uh, the Hebrews, there's mishpat. That means measurement or, or even balance a little bit. Good judgments, right? I hope in your good judgment. So don't let me accidentally start becoming a liar, right? Let me listen to liars and repeat their stories. So shall I keep your law continually. That's Torah there forever and ever. And he can't possibly be praying that I shall be perfect. So he must mean I will believe everything you say, God, and it'll never stop. There's never going to come a day where I don't get to believe more of what God has said as he says what he says. Forever. Like that's now and forever. That's salvation. And so I will walk at liberty. There's the verse we're after. I will walk at liberty. I, I think of being upright. Yeah, my, my chin is up. My head is high. I can walk and see where I'm going uh, well, because I seek your precepts. Right? I walk on straight paths. I put my feet on stones, not on sand. How? Well, again, by pondering the word of God, right? This is a prayer about reading the Bible, right? That's what it's for. I will speak of your testimonies also before kings. That's an interesting one to try to believe. I don't know which king is going to call me up on the phone someday and say, hey, Jonathan, tell me about Jesus. But I, you know, I would love to talk to the mayor. He's a king of sorts, right? Or, or maybe just someone who's the head of a big company and could, could help support mission or something like that, right? Uh, you, you could see it that way. You see it, you know, you will stand before kings. Nobody will threaten you. Nobody will embarrass you. Whatever royalty or snobbery or better than you-ishness they have, you will stand before them and will not be ashamed. You'll walk at liberty. Liberty. How? Because Jesus is yours. You are Jesus's. It's a prayer that you might believe that more firmly. It's promised in Scripture. No one has to prove this to you. It's just there. Yeah, but, but that we would believe it. That's the challenge, right? And these words are here for us to remember to believe it and to feed us that faith every morning. Yeah. 
I will not be ashamed, for I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. I mean, that, that really just means, you know, read the Bible. Read the Bible. So we're going to work off the bulletin here uh, for uh, a while this morning. So feel free to, to look it up in your own Bible if you want to take the notes. But we're going to start with that reading the Bible being what James effectively tells us to do in chapter 1. Right, That's your epistle lesson there. And, and I want to start with verse 25, which if you only have Lutheran jargon to talk with, right? if, if your whole life you've been in a Lutheran pew, and so you hear the word law, and it only has one meaning to you, and that's something like the bad stuff, right? Um, this verse is going to be tough. It's going to tell you that freedom's the bad stuff, and you got to go to the bad stuff to get the freedom. And that's not going to make any sense. Or I could say it a little more eloquently than that. If you've been taught that the law always accuses, the law always accuses, well, then the law of liberty is not going to make any sense to you. So the issue with the law always accusing is a recognition that your attempt to justify yourself based on what God said will always end in shame. That's how God's word, when you take it as a rule to keep, to earn perfection, destroys your conscience. That's the idea of lex semper accusat, the law always accuses. It's true, but it's not a universal statement in the Psalms at all. Quite the opposite. Here, in fact, James again calls it the law of liberty. So he must not mean a law like, I better get it all in order or I won't get my star on the test. Like, that's not what he's talking about. And if you can hear it, it's in the word rule, by the way, in English. You can hear it in the word rule, because the word rule and the word ruler doesn't have one meaning. It has many meanings for us. You know, a ruler can be 12 inches long. A ruler can be decrepit and not knowing what he's doing. Okay? Let the reader understand. But the word means one who rules. The ruler, that's 12 inches, rules keeps a straight line, makes things go a certain measurement, judges accurately by means of being the tool that it is. The ruler who is the king rules by what he says, right? What he, what he does. Um, the law of Jesus is the rule of Jesus, right? It's not just a measuring stick. So I can go up to everybody over here. Are you, are you living up to Jesus? Are you living up to Jesus? Um, I think I'm living up to Jesus, right? It's not really what it's for. It's more for recognizing that Jesus lives and Jesus is in charge. Jesus reigns. And so his rule and his rules are always good, always righteous, no good measurement again. Always gracious. Let mercy and good rules not forsake you. You could hear law and gospel in that phrase. Mercy and truth. Uh, but let's not set them against each other again. And let's see that again. James says that when you look into the perfect law of liberty and continue in it, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, you will be blessed in what you do. And if you think about how you're going to be justified on judgment day, I can't help you. Go argue with Rome all you want about things that are far away and platonic and in your head. This is not about whether or not God loves you. This is not about how to prove you're a Christian. This is about, like, would you like today to have a little more peace in your heart than you had yesterday? 
as you wait for Jesus to come back and you watch your enemies do what they do? Well then, look with faith in Jesus into the rule, the reign he has left behind by means of the scriptures, the word that is once for all delivered to the saints to affirm us and establish us and teach us and lead us and guide us and inspire us. You know, Look to that rule and then whatever it says, like do it. This isn't about can I do it perfectly enough to be righteous, but if it says don't turn left, don't turn right, then guess what? Don't turn left or right. Go straight. But it's going to hurt. Yep, that's discipline. Welcome to learning the reign of God, right? It's a discipleship. It's about being corrected, but you find that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Again, this is the guy who says, are you weary? I will give you rest for your soul. And while indeed you are waiting for your body to be resurrected from the dead, you are not waiting for your soul to have rest from God as a Christian, which is why you're saved now, not just in the future. You're saved now to believe that you have rest for your soul in the law of liberty, which isn't something you do, but just the text that God left to inspire you with a trust in him through his son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever. I could say amen right there. Can someone else? Amen, that's good. So then from there, everything else James says in chapter one about wisdom and wanting wisdom is just to then go read the scriptures trusting that God will enlighten you. Is it possible to read the scriptures wrongly and start a cult? Yep, People have done it. You know, we can talk about it, point it out, all this stuff. It's possible, right? So uh, what prevents you from doing that? Well, how about you just pray that that not be what you do? Start there and then go read the Bible and trust the Bible, what it says, right? Uh, we, We can't defend the world against the world from ever doing bad things with the Bible by taking the Bible away from ourselves or fearing that we might read it wrong or something. That is what, again, Rome says when they get together with their red robes on and decide what it means. That all is because they officially say, we, you and I included, we're all too stupid to know what it means. You need special spiritual gurus in high towers with lots of fancy stuff to tell you what it means. Look, I got a fancy robe on and I'm up above you here, but I'm telling you, you don't need me to tell you what it means. There are parts that are confusing. I don't know what they mean, but the whole of it, the law of liberty. And why do I say Psalms and Proverbs so often? Well, it's the gateway. It's just the easy way in. I mean, you can start with Ezekiel. It's just hard. You know, I struggle with Ezekiel. Uh, but, But the Psalms and Proverbs, this is daily bread for your journey. This is how the Christian lives. This is how the Reformation happened. I mean, I, I, I've said this other places. Have I said this to you, St. Paul? You know, you've, you've heard the Reformation story, and I'll probably say something about it on, on Reformation Sunday. Uh, you know, Luther, burdened in the conscience by the laws of the Pope, which demand the impossible if you're trying, and allow you to be wicked if you're not trying, discovers the Bible, right? Uh, because he has to teach it in Greek and Hebrew, and so he finds Romans. And, and then from Romans, we understand Paul and then the Augsburg Confession, and now we're Lutherans, and it's great, and why doesn't everyone listen to us? What really happened wasn't that, oh, and there was the printing press or some other story. 
What really happened was Luther did have to teach the Psalms in Hebrew. And so he was reading them in Hebrew and they changed his life. And they changed his life so much he feared no man. And I'm just going to say, it's, I, I don't think that was Luther. And I don't think it was the Augsburg Confession that got him to feel that way. Nor the others who signed their names to that confession and were willing to die for the faith, which is there and is true. It is true. But the devotion to it is expressed in the words of the Psalms. And us forgetting that as modern Christians is a, is a complex factor, but it's just true. It's just true. You go back 150 years before there's radio and TV, you're going to have your average person not only knowing the Psalms, but memorizing them. Memorization as a thing we do. Right? We kind of abdicated that to the day school for a while, and maybe it worked. Where are they now? Right? But memorization, so that the word is on your lips. The one who wants wisdom, asks God for it, and goes to the Bible, James says, you're going to be blessed. And then if you would learn one other thing from James this morning before we go to Deuteronomy, verse 26, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. I'll let you look up the next verse to see what he says you should do instead while you're not talking so much. <laughs> uh, when, you, when you realize that if I say words that are not driven by the word of God, my nature makes them more likely to achieve evil than good, then the wisest thing you can do is just slow a little down in what you say. Maybe not say so much. So if, if your religion as a Christian has not taught you to not talk so much, or when you talk, talk about things that are worth talking about, he says, then you're not paying attention. Which is the common sin of America. We know this, right? No one's paying attention. Why would you walk past Lazarus and never think about him? You got stuff to do. Right? You got places to go, things to achieve. And I'm not going to pretend that my life isn't more complex by a bajillion than it was 10 years ago. Juggle, 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 juggle. Right? I know you're doing it too. So, in that whirlwind, recognize that you don't fix it by just saying stuff, especially with bitterness or sarcasm. It doesn't fix it. But looking into wisdom, asking for wisdom, being given words at the right time, those words, when they're from God, again, and you're going to know them because they're from God. Trust in Jesus with all your heart. You can't say that, not from God, right? Um, that wisdom is going to do things in the world around you. To the point where you're not going to want the Bible to just be part of your life this morning, but now I'm done and off to the real stuff. And that's what Deuteronomy is about here. Uh, so if you would like to look to that text, if you want to try to look it up in your pew Bible, I don't have the verses written down. Maybe I did. 151, I think I did look it up. But we're not going to go outside of the range on the, in the bulletin. So if you just want to look there. Um, we're going to start with verse 6, which kind of builds off of what I just said. Uh, Moses is saying to the people of Israel, and this is every man, okay, understand that the man is the head of the home and what his tongue 
does is what the home will do. If he doesn't talk, and the only tongue in the home is the mother's because the man cedes his position, he stops being the head, uh, well, it's still going to be his tongue uh, that, that reigns, but it'll be sort of a, a petty tyranny of sorts. Things will be out of order and, and in a mix. So the head of the home, we must understand the father is by definition the most public talker. And what he does say, even if he barely talks, what he does say will move everybody. And all the other talking, it can make him say less, uh, but it's still going to be what he says that matters. That's natural law. And what Deuteronomy here is saying is, therefore, dad, talk. It doesn't matter how you feel, what you like, what you want to do, or do you feel equipped to read the Bible? doesn't matter. Talk. Right here we go with uh, verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, you might know the word phylactery. You ever hear the word phylactery? Uh, Jesus uses the word at one point. He talks about how uh, the Pharisees make their phylacteries broad. And it's, uh, it's kind of like he's like, they wear funny hats is sort of what he's saying. Uh, phylactery was a, a box that would be strapped onto the forehead. And you could insert into this box a very expensive, probably very, very uh, finely decorated scroll with some Torah on it. You know, they, they scribed out the Hebrew of Genesis something, something on it. It goes in the box and you're at market. You see it. Oh, I like this phylactery. You buy it. And that way you can always have the word of God before your eyes. See, see how pious I am. Look at the sign. Look at, look at me signal how cool and righteous I am by my dress, right? Notice the vanity of man always at work. Um, but they were trying to like pay attention to this verse, which is good, right? Bind the word of God as a sign on your hand. Let it be frontless between your eyes. Like, does that mean go get a tattoo on your finger so you always see Jesus there? Well, that's a, that's a tactic, okay? That's a trick. That's something that you do to try to make something happen, make a habit, okay? I'm not condemning that per se, but what I am saying is that's not what this is saying, it's saying whatever tactics you apply, let your tactics be about the principles of the word of God. Because the word that I command you today, right, which is the whole Bible, to be believed as a story of Jesus' kingship, that word which we are commanded is sufficient to change the heart. And with the heart changed, now the results are different. Uh, we also had a question recently about music. Not can Christians listen to non-Christian music, but can Christians make non-Christian music? And, and the question wasn't meaning like, you know, we're going we're gonna to rap about killing people, right? Like, like the, the kid, I think, was largely asking, can I write songs about girls? You know, is it okay to write a love song, right? And, and he said, can I do that not, you know, without Christianity? And the answer is, well, no, you can't. 
I mean, I guess you could try to like not believe in God while you're writing the song, but, but the fact is that because you believe in God, it's going to have an impact on what you write. That doesn't mean you have to try to make it about Jesus every second you look into her eyes, right? That, that would be strange, really. Yeah? But, but it, it, it does mean that when you look into her eyes, you know, maybe instead of like holy blah, 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 you would say God be praised, right? That your language, your tongue is going to confess that the good is from God. That will happen to Christians, and it won't happen to non-Christians, right? So our hearts are changed. That's why maybe when you put art on your wall, it isn't disgusting and gross and weird looking, but in fact is beautiful and true and lifts up the good. Uh, Christians do that kind of thing. And yet when non-Christians do it, have you looked? Have you watched non-Christian art? It's gross. Like it, they, just, they just do gross things, right? Why would you put that on your wall? Yeah? And so the, the admonition here, right, is not that you judge yourself. Did I this morning talk to my kids in the car about the Bible? Did I check it off? That's not what this is for. Stop checking things off lists. The list of what you're going to try to do this year is not to check it off. Don't read the Bible to get it over with. Right? You are promised a heart that will eat this stuff up and change you for the better every day the rest of your life. And that better mainly being peace like a river in my soul and my soul. Trust in the name of Jesus to call upon him in every trouble, trial. Give thanks, praise, pray. Right? That kind of thing. Uh, even, you know, verse 5 now, going backward a little bit, where he, he says, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And I know you've heard that before because it's, it's the first and greatest command. Uh, this is what Jesus says when asked what is the greatest command, the second is like it. You'll remember that, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. You notice that's not in this text, at least. Um, but here he he pulls us out, and there's some interesting thing. He doesn't quote it exactly right, and the other guy requotes it, and we can get into that. But the thing I want us to just focus on in our last few minutes here is how usually what Lutherans do with this verse is we make it impossible. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And then mind, strength, you put in what you want, energy. And because we know lex tempora cusat, the law always accuses, because we understand law and gospel, we always will teach that, of course, you can't do that. And I think it's time we stop saying that. Now, in a certain category, if we're trying to get out of purgatory with our works, right, we're trying to understand salvation as something we achieve, well then, yeah, if you have to stand on Judgment Day and are asked, did I love Jesus with all of me, the entire life I lived, and you're like, yep, I did it. See, you're going to hell then. Because right? you didn't, and you can't, and that's true. It's true. It's very true. But it's really not the point. It's not what Moses is trying to say to us here. He's not like, well, this is what you can't do. That's not what he's saying. He's saying your life can be different than the lives of those who don't know God. That can be, will be, to the level that you can love God generally all the time. Not perfectly. Why are you keeping track? But it can be the thing you want to do. It can be like your New Year's resolution, only it's not a New Year's resolution. It's just who you are as a Christian. I get to 
learn how to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind the rest of my life. And I get to say, I want to. I don't have to like beat myself up about how I'm not good at it. God knows that. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He didn't do that so we could pity party and beat our faces in it all the time. He did it so we could live free, so we could walk at liberty. So this is, this is what I want for you. Not that you're just going to go home and have one more thing to do on a Bible checklist. What I want St. Paul Lutheran Church is for us to walk at liberty in Rockford. I want when you walk into Walmart or to Aldi or I don't know where you shop. I mean, there's Woodman's, you know, whatever you go into, your office place, the streets. I want you to walk with your head up because God goes with you. And your enemies will either flee before you or be well compensated before your eyes someday. So, So what have you to fear in all of this, right? while the rest of the world's really concerned about stories from far away and all the things are going to change. Okay, fine, yeah. But don't wallow in the muck with those who have no hope. Yeah, You have the truth of Scripture. You have a word that's a rock and foundation that will always endure. It doesn't promise perfect days. It promises that the grave's going to chase you. It promises that the devil's going to haunt you. It promises that you're going to find trouble. You're going to find sorrow. And then at that moment, you may call upon the name of Jesus Christ, your God, and be assured that he has already prepared an answer, which is on its way. If not, there. Sometimes that answer is, look at it differently. But a lot of times that answer is that yesterday, today, forever, Jesus Christ is your salvation. Scripture teaches us this. All the false teachers in the world trying to teach something else with the Bible open won't stop Scripture from teaching this the rest of forever. The Reformation is just believing that. I'm glad we do. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please rise for prayer.